It's time now for the complete story of public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here's the BRN father and son team, Dick and Rich Bot, with today's complete story. Well, you know, Rich, uh, every week when I think about next week's program, I think, uh, oh, man, this is something that I really want to talk about. I really want to get off my chest and uh, that sort of thing. However, then things can come up and you change your mind. And today is one of those days. This week's program is one of those programs, isn't it? Because when we carried Henry Hyde, Congressman Henry Hyde, and his speech on the floor of the House of Representatives, that was so powerful, such a powerful pro-life message and everything. So I was going to go another direction today, but then things happen. What say you? Well, yes, uh, Henry Hyde, in his speech, was historic. It was about 20 years ago or so when they yeah. were debating the partial birth abortion ban. And but now you, a, have, now you have something very up-to-date. And that was, uh, that was where the Hyde Amendment came from, that the yeah. Democrats now have dismantled, tried to go do away with it. But let me start out with this program with a song, because I want the people to be prepared for this program. And I'm going to start out asking them, how about your heart? Here it is. How about your heart? Is it right with God? Would you ask Christ in today? Is it black with sin? Or is it pure within? you ask Christ then to stay People often see you as you are outside Jesus really knows you for he looks inside How about your heart Is it right with God the thing that counts
you see, I think that was an appropriate song to open the program. Didn't the Lord say, if you love, if you love me, um, then, then love each other and care for each other, regard each other. Everybody's life is important. It isn't the black lives or the white lives or these or the others or the old people or the young people. Every life, every life is a life that was given by God. Isn't that true, Rich? And God is no respecter of persons. He loves everyone the same. Now let's get right to the, to the task here. Um, since Henry Hyde, Congressman Henry Hyde, gave that speech on the floor of the House of Representatives, that was because that was in his heart. That was in his heart. That's really what he believed inside. And I was so taken with it because he meant it. He wasn't a politician looking for votes. It wasn't election time and trying to figure out how to get reelected, promise the people everything under the sun, and then deliver nothing. And um, so I have gotten over the years a little, little jaded. Uh, when people are running for public office, I want to know what they really believe. I want to know maybe when they started to really believe it. I'm tired of Ponzi promises. I'm tired of things that are not fulfilled. And uh, But too often, politically, that's what we end up with. Except there is a young man. There's a young man. He's a senator from the state, a U.S. senator from the state of Missouri. Isn't that interesting, Rich? Missouri has quite a history down through America, doesn't it? They call it the show-me state. The show-me state. Good. Yeah. So Josh Hawley, Senator Josh Hawley, is a person that I will always admire and regard as the first person in many years that has really bared his heart and his soul on an issue of life. And the people have a chance to hear it on this broadcast right now. It's a speech that he gave on what day was it, Rich, this week? Well, he was at on the floor of the U.S. Senate Thursday, July 30th, just this past Thursday. Thursday, July 30th, in my opinion, will go down in history as the day when Senator Josh Hawley really laid it on the line so turn your radio up and listen with me, folks. Here it is. There are now five Republican-appointed justices on the court. And actually, Republicans have appointed 11 out of the last 15 justices to the bench. But is this the conservative court that we have worked for? More to the point, is this a constitutionalist court? The only thing I can say for certain when looking at the results of this last term is that in the words of the late Justice Scalia, the imperial judiciary lives. Uh, this is a court that freely rewrites congressional statutes, that has protected the worst left-wing precedents of earlier years, that in the final week of its term gave away half the state of Oklahoma. For those who consider themselves constitutional conservatives, these decisions are a clarion call to wake up and to acknowledge what is staring us in the face. Judicial imperialism is alive and well. It is marching on undaunted. And for religious conservatives, well, these decisions are a call to action. Now is the time for us to be heard. And we can begin with what we expect 
of our nominees to the High Court, what we expect them to understand, what we expect them to affirm. And that brings me to the case that propelled religious conservatives into activism and politics in a new way over four decades ago. The case that for religious conservatives made the Supreme Court the great issue of the day, Roe versus Wade. Now, I know that when it comes to the Supreme Court, we're not supposed to talk about Roe. That's the uh, open secret on the right. It's certainly what religious conservatives have been told for years. Don't mess up the Supreme Court nomination process by raising what Roe. It's imprudent. It's in poor taste. It will divide our coalition. No, we're supposed to stick to talk about process, about methods, maybe throw in some talk about umpires, but do not talk about Roe. Well, the truth is, Roe is the reason we have a legal conservative movement to begin with. Roe is what propelled generations of religious conservatives to vote for Republican presidents and Republican senators and Republican politicians of every rank and station, all on the promise to reverse this travesty of a decision, this moral and social injustice that in 47 years has taken the lives of 61 million unborn. 61 million. Republicans have said, vote for us. Vote for us and we will undo this wrong. We will return this issue to the people. And yet all these years later, 11 Republican appointed justices later, here we are. The nation apparently no closer to the day when the Supreme Court will renounce this outrage, renounce its imperial pretensions, and allow the good and decent people of this nation to debate and decide this matter for ourselves. And so I say to my Republican colleagues, how long must this go on? How many more elections must there be? How many more promises must be made? How many more justices must be appointed before we will expect of our nominees what the voters already expect of us. How long before we ask our nominees to the Supreme Court of the United States to recognize Roe as the outrage that it is? I mean, let's just be frank. Roe is an illegitimate decision. It has no basis in the Constitution, none. It has no basis in the law. None of the Constitution's specific and enumerated guarantees of privacy even begin to legitimize the taking of innocent human life. None are remotely on point. Uh, even liberal scholars recognize this. Whole books are written about what Roe versus Wade should have said. Now, Roe marks the point at which the modern Supreme Court decided that they would just impose their own views, their own social and moral and legal views on the nation, despite what the people want, despite what the Constitution says, no matter how the laws are written. You know, in the words of the late constitutional scholar John Hart Ely, who was, I would point out, a political liberal, Roe is not constitutional law, and it gives almost no sense of an obligation to try to be. Now, Roe is the very essence of judicial imperialism. It is a brazen power grab by unelected justices imposing their moral and social views on the nation.
just like another group of justices did in a case called Plessy versus Ferguson. Just like another group of justices did before that in a case called Dred Scott. And yes, I do mean to compare Roe to those earlier cases because Dred Scott and Plessy and Roe belong together. They are the worst miscarriages of justice in our history, the worst judicial opinions of all time. Dred Scott and Plessy and Roe are abusive, morally repugnant decisions that wounded the soul of this nation. They dishonored this nation's fundamental faith in the dignity and worth of every person. For these reasons, Roe is no secondary issue, something to be pushed to the side of the nomination process. Roe is central. Roe is a window onto the constitutional worldview of a would-be justice. It is a measure of their sense of what a justice should be. Because if you believe that Roe was rightly decided, then there just is no two ways about it. You are a judicial imperialist. If you believe Roe was rightly decided, you believe that unelected judges should have the power to enact their own social views, to promote their own social agenda, regardless of what the Constitution says or what we the people have expressed preference for, voted for, enacted into law. And I would just add that it seems to be the case, inevitably, that when justices enact their views, they enact the views of a certain social class. Oh yes, the highly educated managerial front row of American society, the class of the faculty lounge and the C-suite, that's what you get when judges govern America. Mr. President, that's not what the Constitution calls for. That's not what the Constitution specifies. The Constitution says that sovereignty rests with we, the people, that it should be the people who are in charge. It's what the American people want and have written in their fundamental law and in their statutes that should carry the day. The people have a right to run their own government. They have a right to expect their views to prevail, to have their Constitution be obeyed, and to expect that the justices appointed to their Supreme Court will abide by the Constitution's terms as we the people wrote them. And that is why, Mr. President, I say today, I will vote only for those Supreme Court nominees who have explicitly acknowledged that Roe versus Wade was wrongly decided the day it was decided. I say again, I will vote for those nominees only and for those nominees alone. And when I say explicitly acknowledged, I mean on the record, before they are nominated. I do not want private assurances. I do not seek them. I do not want, for I do not want forecasts about future votes or future behavior, because frankly, I wouldn't believe them. I don't want promises of any sort. I want evidence that Supreme Court nominees will obey the Constitution and the law. I want to see in the record clear acknowledgement that any nominee understands Roe to be the travesty that it is. And if that record is not there, then I will not support the nomination. I don't care who does the nominating. Now some will say that this is yesterday's battle, that we should just accept Roe and move on, that today's Supreme Court is the best we could possibly hope for, to which I say every single 
life is worth fighting for. And I will not accept failure. And I will not accept defeat. I take this stand because I believe it is what justice and fidelity to the law requires in our time of me and of those who would exercise the awesome power of judicial review entrusted to justices in Article 3 of our Constitution. And I also believe it's what the Republican Party owes the millions, millions of Americans who have made this cause the reason for their vote for many years. These men and women of goodwill and faith who labor still, day in and day out, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, working for that time when justice will be done. Oh, Rich. Uh, folks, ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to United States Senator Josh Hawley from the state of Missouri and uh, delivering his soul, taking a stand, letting people know who he is and what he stands for. And the issue, of course, is life versus death. How stark can it be? Wasn't that an unbelievable address, Rich? Outstanding. And, of course, Joshua Hawley is from the great state of Missouri, yeah. the show-me state. And that was delivered from the floor of the U.S. Senate on Thursday, July 30th, well, just this past Thursday. Just this past Thursday, July 30th. That date is going to go down. Now, I want you, Rich, to explain Plessy versus Ferguson mm. was settled law. It had been decided by the U.S. Supreme Court that Plessy versus Ferguson would allow the segregation and other things um, that, uh, and, and they said, well, we don't like it, but it's settled. It's already been passed. Uh, anything else you want to say? Right. About I believe that, that had the idea of the separate but equal, which, of course, was never equal. And but, then, of course, Dred Scott, my uh -huh. word, isn't that interesting? Because that was also a Missouri case uh -huh. that had to be settled by the Supreme Court. And they said Dred Scott doesn't have a right to be in court right. because he's not, he's not fully human, because he's a black man. Now, listen, folks, listen to this. They said Dred Scott was not worthy of, uh, of having the freedom and the things he was asking for. Now, today, yeah. of course, that was overturned, wasn't it, Rich? Well, yes, it was overturned, and it took the Civil War, really, to overturn that. But uh, we thank the Lord for that. Yeah, I want to say uh, we thank the Lord that it was overturned, but I want to mention this about Joshua Hawley, which is an interesting detail, and that is that he uh, he was uh, a part of the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty that took the yeah. Hobby Lobby case to the Supreme Court yeah. and won. Early yeah. in his life, he was a clerk at the U.S. Yeah. Supreme Court for Chief Justice Roberts, yeah. Yeah, right. and he has eye. a terrific experience. Keep your eye on Josh Hawley from Missouri. Now, listen, uh, we mentioned Dred Scott. Listen, folks, his Dred Scott's is a great-great-granddaughter, Lynn Jackson, lives in St. Louis, beautiful Christian, and her whole family, and— uh, and Lynn Jackson is very pro-life. Hmm. Isn't that wonderful? And she's just, like Al, just like Alveda King, and Martin Luther King's niece. Very pro-life. She's one of our radio listeners in St. Louis. Yeah, Lynn Jackson is, absolutely. All right, now listen, folks. Um, the issue is life versus death, and Senator Hawley just really spoke to that. I want you to hear uh, this audio 
and it's about a little unborn child who had heart surgery while still in the womb. And it was a Philadelphia, Pennsylvania case. Here it is. Another historic surgery from the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. It's a CBS 3 Health Watch exclusive, a risky and delicate heart operation on a fetus. Operating on a fetus still inside the mother's womb. This time, doctors operated on a tiny fetal heart. And after some risky setbacks, we were there as the family from South America said goodbye to the team that saved their baby. You're going home. Baby Juan and his parents are headed back to Uruguay, where the infant is a celebrity. Since October, the family has been camped out at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, where doctors saved Juan's life with an intervention that's largely unheard of in many places. After the fetal surgery, the pregnancy continued as the family waited in Philadelphia. At 31 weeks, Juan was born December 11th, but the tumor had grown back, so there was a second heart surgery. There were a lot of chances that the baby was going to die. But he survived with a big scar on his chest. Juan is now three months old and healthy. Yeah, so let's not have any more arguments as to whether the baby in the womb is a human being with a separate life and, uh, and deserves to live. Uh, now, Mr. Producer, I'm going to skip that next song, and I want to go directly to the song by Carol Robertson, Once I Was Blind, But Now I See. Here it is. There is a story in the Bible recorded in John chapter 9 How a man was touched by Jesus This man was born blind Jesus took a little bit of clay, placed it on his eyes, told him to wash in the pool of Siloam. Then he received his sight and he said, Once I was blind, but now I can see. That's all that I know. Once I was blind, but now I can see. That's how the story goes Once my life was in darkness I was blinded by my sin I couldn't see where I was going Didn't care where I had been Then I felt the hand of Jesus Touch my blinded eyes can't explain, but I'll forever proclaim that Jesus changed my life. Once I was blind, but now I can see. That's all that I know. Once I was blind, but now I can see. That's how the story goes. Once I was blind, but now I can see. That's all that I know Once I was blind but now I can see That's how the story goes <laughs> no. and of course and of course how I relate to that song is once we were all blind and now we see and, uh, and I remember, and Rich, you were with me when we were in Wichita, Kansas in uh, 1991, the Summer of Mercy. 
that's when the pro-life message really became real and vivid. The difference between life and death of an innocent, unborn child. Isn't that right? That's right. That's for me. That's when it became, it wasn't, before it was just kind of an issue, and now it became about real lives. Yeah, you would think the churches would wake up and start declaring it, as they should, actively. It's going on today in your state, in your town. Do we have some listener comments? Well, yes, Dad, and here's a lady, and uh, she talks about how her views on abortion were changed after listening to Bot Radio Network. Bot Radio has shed a lot of light on many different subjects. Today's subject about murder really struck home. I used to kind of go back and forth about abortion and whatnot, but I know now, as I sit here, hands that shed innocent blood will not make it to heaven, and I want to make it to heaven one day. Thank you, Bot Radio, for all the wonderful subject matter that you talk about. I'm sure you help a lot of people in this world. Yeah, well, dear lady, uh, if you happen to be listening now, thank you for that phone call to our listener comment line. But I want to tell you that God forgives. The Lord Jesus came to redeem, not to condemn. And he forgives. I could name any number of wonderful people. I can say this publicly because she does. Alveda King, Dr. Dr. Martin Luther King's niece, Alveda King, before she became a believer, a Christian, and understood this, understood that she had several abortions. And that isn't uncommon. But when a person wakes up and says this is an issue between life and death, and really study it and think about it, uh, as we certainly did after 1991, Rich. It's pretty crystal clear, isn't it? Well, it sure is. Let me give the listener comment no. line, and then we've got to get out of here. Well, no, no, 1-800. I want one more listener one, comment. One more. Okay, well, okay, how about yeah. this uh, this uh, late-night listener right, then, let's Rob? Go, let's go then. I've been listening to Bot Radio for over 25 years, and I remember many late nights driving back home because I was on tour or driving in from a long business meeting, listening to your late-night preachers and teachers. Just thank you for what you're doing, and especially your stand for pro-life. God bless you. You've got many crowns for that. Oh, man, does that ever warm my heart? (laughs) Go ahead with the number again, Rich. Okay, 1-800-345-2621. We'd love to hear from you, too. 1-800-345-2621. All right, this is Dick Bott with my son, Rich. Uh, With this chapter, the complete story is a public service, and I'll see you later.